Welcome to the Middleway Podcast. My name is Dr. Matthew Goodman. This podcast is about seeing the world through the lens of interconnectedness. It's about recognizing our common humanity and discovering pragmatic solutions to improve well being from the individual to the collective. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome back to the Middleway Podcast. Today, you are in for a treat. My guest is Judy Wilkins Smith. Judy is a highly regarded international, organizational, individual, and family patterns expert, a systemic executive coach, trainer, facilitator, thought partner, and leadership conference and motivational speaker. Judy has 18 years of expertise in assisting high performance individuals, Fortune 500 executives, and legacy families to end limiting cycles and reframe challenges into lasting breakthroughs and peak performance. Sounds pretty cool. She's the author of Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint, a powerful guide to transformation through disentangling multi-generational patterns, which is a book that I read and highly recommend. So I felt so privileged to talk with Judy because of her deep expertise in this area of systems work in family systems and the empowering approach that she takes to working with individuals and larger organizations. As you'll hear in the podcast, the work that Judy does is something called constellations work. This is a typically a three-dimensional process of working with individuals by using other representatives in the space to depict family members or other people within their systems. And through this process, people can gain some insight, almost sometimes some very immediate and powerful insight into where they are getting stuck, where they're repeating patterns that have perhaps been handed down in their family system from generations ago. And then from this, how to break those patterns and how to create something new to help to elevate the system. So this is what I think is the coolest part about Judy's work is that so much of the time we might have feelings of guilt around changing patterns, changing patterns, unconscious feelings of guilt around changing the dynamics, the same patterns that we've been carrying out for our family. And these could be around things like money, for example, which we talk about in this episode, feeling guilty about making more money than those in our family previously had. So Judy's work helps us to recognize that we're giving gifts to our system. We're elevating our family system by helping it to continue to move and evolve and grow. And when we elevate ourselves and the family system that we're embedded within, we also elevate the larger systems that we're embedded in, including the system of our collective humanity. One thing that stuck out to me is that Judy says that when we're our biggest and best version of ourselves, we are simultaneously the most humbled because it's at that moment, it's at that time 
when we're fulfilling our destiny that we're for the first time in truly in service of the universe. Okay, so that's a bit of context. Judy and I go into definitions of family systems and what she calls emotional DNA and how this is inherited both epigenetically and through our experience of just living in our family. We talk about how these issues are not necessarily our fault, but our responsibility to change and why changing them is actually giving a gift to our family. Um, Judy shares how she came to this work almost accidentally. We talk about how our patterns are, or our symptoms are actually just opportunities. These are gifts that are being handed to us by our higher selves, waiting for us to change them, to transform them. So we talk about gifts as gold. Um, Judy shares a little bit about the idea of the collective nervous system. We talk about, importantly, the shift from a victim mentality or a victim mindset into a more empowering mindset. And Judy explains why she thinks this is really the key here in the transition from being stuck to starting to move and evolve and grow ourselves, shifting from sense of victimhood to a sense of feeling empowerment. Like we have some agency, we can have some control over the situations in our life. And then generally we talk about the story that perhaps we are operating under as a collective humanity. And again, Judy shares here how the role of victimhood or victim mentality comes into play there. So lots and lots and lots of great treasures in this episode. Um, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I definitely walked away from the conversation feeling energized and excited and um, optimistic. So enjoy this episode. I am joined today by Judy Wilkins-Smith on the Middle Way podcast. So honored to have you here. Thank you, Judy, for coming on. Thank you. It's lovely to be in Southern California, even if I'm sitting in Texas. <laughs> I can feel your presence here. Thank you for, for joining me. Um, so I thought just to set the stage for our listeners, you could define some terms for us to give them a sense of what you do. Sure. Um, there are a few terms in your, your book, and I'm going to hold it up here for those that are watching. It's called Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint. Uh, highly recommended. And uh, you do um, what's called constellation work, but this is within a framework of systems, working within yeah. systems. And then one of the processes that you help people discover is how to decode their emotional DNA. So can you define what systems, what you mean by systems, and then we can talk a little bit about constellation. Sure. So, so I do systemic work in constellations. That's the bracket it falls within. Systemic work is the, the study of or the exploration of you within a system. You didn't just happen in a vacuum. You have mothers, fathers, grandparents. Whether you know them or not, you still have them. And so it's the study of how did you come to be you? How is that serving you now? And what is it that wants to happen next? Now, for many people who work in this field, they will stop at um, what happened to you? How is it affecting you now? Complete stop. 
for me, what happened was I began to listen to people saying, okay, but, and then what? And I realized that this work very much lent itself to the, and then what? And in fact, that often the pattern that was trying to stop, in fact, just about always, is sitting right next to the pattern that's trying to emerge. The pattern that's trying to stop is often a multi-generational pattern or a multi-event pattern. The pattern trying to emerge is the pattern that's trying to emerge through you as the chapter that only you can write. It's what the system is waiting for from you. Mm. So that's now, systemic work. You've kind of, you've worked with people and you've written and spoke about kind of scenarios where people will experience events in their life where they seem to come out of nowhere, but as you're saying, they could be multi-generational issues. And sometimes they might pop up at the exact same time in someone's life as it came up for a, a previous generation. Exactly. Yeah. I'm um, just wondering if you can kind of give us a sense a little bit more about how these issues are are passed down from one person to another. Uh, so there are a number of ways. One of the ways um, scientifically that they've they've studied very well is epigenetics. So with epigenetics, a significant event happens. Now, with anything, an event happens, we have a reaction. The reaction creates thoughts and feelings and language and other reactions and more actions and mindsets and patterns. So then what happens is we have a library of those actions, feelings, thoughts. And as a parent, maybe we're passing those down by modeling it. Maybe we're saying, be careful, watch out, don't do. But there is also an epigenetic imprint that occurs on the system. And that becomes a blueprint for generations of subsequent behavior. So we have all of those. Um, and then, of course, we have the meaning that we make of it, the individual. We can look at all of that and we have a couple of choices. Oh, that's how we belong in the system. I'm going to do that too. Or that's not working for me in the system. I'm going to do it differently. And the minute we start to do it differently, we start to redirect or reprogram the emotional DNA. So I know you're going to ask me what emotional DNA is. Emotional DNA is your patterns of thought, feelings, and actions that have been inherited or you've created from multiple events and are now passing on. So it's all of those patterns. So we start to then recreate or rewire. And that's where good old neuroscience comes in because we, we also know that the brain is neuroplastic. You're not sentenced to the lives of others, except that we act as though we are, but you're not. One new thought, one new feeling, one new action, and you're awakening different neural pathways. And if you keep doing that strongly enough, you're going to lay down a very good or helpful neural pathway. Now, you know in your field that if we have a traumatic event, very quickly we can lay down a neural pathway. It's almost instantaneous. If I come to you with a traumatic event, I can tell you what was happening, who was there, what the colors were, how I felt. So that can be laid down super quickly. Mm -hmm. What we don't realize is that we can do the same thing in what I call a triumphant neural pathway or event. You can take that and you see that with um, athletes. They're rehearsing, they're pre-programming, they're feeling it before they get there. They're actually teaching the brain what the brain needs to teach the body for the body to react the way they want it. And that's our magic making, if you will. We all have it. We're just not 
taught to use it. So that's kind of a brief explanation for what you asked. Thank you. Thank you. So if I understand correctly and kind of summarize the emotional blueprint that we, these are the thoughts, the feelings, and the behaviors that we inherit from maybe not even only our parents, but perhaps even going back generations. Absolutely. Absolutely. In those generations, that's the system that we're embedded in. And, you know, as a psychologist and even just, you know, as a, as a human being, it's, it's fascinating to think, as you were saying that my issues, my symptoms, they're, they're mine, but they're not necessarily just mine. They exist within a bigger system. Yeah. And, and your, your nervous system is also seldom just your nervous system. It's often part of a collective nervous system. but it's also waiting for you instead of doing what most of us do, which is 90% of the time we're living 90% of ancient history, not our own. We're not present to our own. And of course you have a very predictable future, but the minute that you go, "Mm -mm, we're doing this differently and you commit to it. And the brain tells the body a story, the body can believe now you're off on a completely different pathway. And with just that one small piece, your predictable future no longer is, and your predictable limits no longer are. Mm. So you change everything. Mm. The pivot point for people where they can really get a sense of what that multi-generational issue is, comes through this work that is called consolation. So, um, Tell us a little, I'm, I'm curious maybe how you came to the work and then maybe you can describe the constellation work itself and what that looks like when you're facilitating it. Perfect. So you saw me roll my eyes. I mean, it's, it's, it's so bizarre. It's one of those things where you know you should have, you were going to do it. So um, my father was killed here in, in the US and it was either write books or go crazy. And I figured that write books was probably a better idea than go crazy. And um, I was busy doing research for a, a book, stumbled onto this person who had who was working with us, and he said, come help me, or no, come study my work and I'll help you with a book. So I went, studied the work and got zero help with a book. But the upshot of that was I got into this particular field and then somebody said to me about two years into it, well, of course you could do this work. And I said, why? And they said, well, you come from South Africa and that's where it originated. And I went, oh, And they said, yes, it originated with the Zulu tribe. So, of course, that was an aha moment. But even better than that was my background is actually medical. And when I left South Africa, the person who gave my farewell speech was a Zulu gentleman. (laughs) And he said, you may be leaving us, but you'll find a way to represent us in the world. And I went, ha ha. And now, of course, I do that every day. So. I started out by doing the family constellations work, but a lot of uh, C-suite executives came and said to me, can you work with us too? It makes very logical sense because who you are as a leader began with how you are at home. And so that began to happen. And I do a lot of executive coaching for top companies now, uh, but they also asked me to work with companies. So if the company had an issue, Did the company have DNA? Well, yes, of course it does because it's made up of people. And I went to the Netherlands to learn something about that. But then my own piece of it, I think, as I say, was I looked at it and went, okay, knowing about it and saying we'll stop that isn't really enough. 
contained within the stop is the start and contained within the limits are the limitlessness. And I began to understand that often our deepest, and you'll, you'll know this, but our deepest wounds are actually what turn out to be our greatest strengths. They just don't always come in pretty wrappings. But when you learn to understand the patterns in your family that are, are coming through to you for a very specific reason, you can use them for your own purpose and your own strength. And so people began discovering that they had this whole treasure map. We think that our ancestors are terrible because they were pirates or rapists or thieves. Or, no, we look at them within the context of the system too. And the minute you zoom out, it makes a whole lot of sense. So instead of focusing on me, we're focusing on me within the system. And often what didn't work in one generation is trying to become something amazing in the next generation. Ha ha, congratulations, you're it. And so mm -hmm. at live events that I do, people very much report the brain, re they, they will say to me, I can't think the same anymore. My body doesn't feel the same anymore. So we have those people who come in one way and walk out the other way or come in having been sad all of their lives only to discover it's great grandma's sadness. Or one of my favorites is, is um, a lady who comes in and starts, she says to me, I'm very stoic. All the women are stoic. We don't show emotion. Well, she does this piece of work and sees where the stoicism originated. And of course, her heart just opens and she starts to cry. And an hour later, she says to me, what's wrong with me? I can't stop crying. And I say to her, but you're not just crying your tears. That's five generations of tears that you're finally expressing. Mm -hmm. Now life can flow again. So we look very much at where did love, life, joy, success, money, relationships, leadership stop and why? And what that was a solution back here has become a, a, a problem over here. And all that a problem is, is an invitation to something new. Mm. It's so it's really beautiful to think about this as like simultaneous simultaneously realizing that my problem is something that's much bigger and it's kind of not my fault, but at the same time, it's empowering to realize that as well, that I actually have a chance to change this pattern. And as you sort of say, to kind of elevate the system and take it somewhere new. Um, that's very empowering. And I think most of the time we don't feel empowered by that or we don't realize right. we experience right. guilt. Exactly. And, and this is the gift. I teach people all the time. There is never not, a, there's literally never not a gift in what's happened to you. It's not your fault that something happened, but it is your responsibility to take it to its highest potential. And when you realize that, you recognize that whatever you want to call it, life, God, the universe, guides, whatever it is, has been in service of you your whole life. It's never been about limiting you. It's been about empowering you and saying to you, go, go, go. You've got this. There it is. Here's what you think is a train wreck. Here are the gems. Now turn them into something amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's where we really are. It's, it's that human potential piece. We're perfectly capable 
of creating incredible lives. It doesn't matter where or who you are right now. And again, it goes to everything, including money. You inherit money DNA too. Hmm. I want to come back to that because uh, that's that's an interesting piece to to pick up on, and I'm it certainly has the wheel t- turning in my head around my own life. Um, but can you describe what the constellation work looks like when you're facilitating this process with people? Sure, sure. So um, I pay a lot of attention to language. What are the words you use? How do you use them? Language and body. But when we're sitting down, you and I, and you you bring an issue that you want to look at, what I do is I, I listen with, I think, what Halinger called a lazy ear. So I'll just, I will listen. And I, I want to hear what you have to say. And at some point, you're going to say something that's going to tweak for me. And I'm going to go, okay, stop. We, we know what the issue is. I've heard you say what you've said. Now let's identify the components of the issue. So maybe it's mom, dad, brother, sister, you. And then what I ask you to do is take the picture you have of that in your mind and put it out in front of you. So the way that works is I'll say to you, okay, Matthew, choose someone to represent your mom, someone to represent your dad, someone for your brother, someone for your sister, someone for you. And I want you to place them in the room the way that it is for you. Now, you're, you're pretty clear about the way it is for you. Dad's off in the corner over there. Mom's over here. You're smack in the middle of everything trying to sort things out. Mm-hmm. Brothers couldn't care to hoots and sister is looking clueless. And so just by doing that, what you immediately see is the relationship between the different components. Mm-hmm. And so I will say to you, so what's up with dad? Oh, you know, he went off to Vietnam. He never came back the same. So maybe I'll put another live representative where he's looking and you'll suddenly either see his body settle down or he may move towards that. Uh, Then we'll talk about how come you're always in the middle? Are you the super glue in the family? Yeah. What does that feel like? It's heavy. Do you want to be the super glue? No, but but who else is going to take care of the family? Ah, okay. So when dad became unavailable, did you become the surrogate spouse? Well, yes, somebody had. So now you're starting to have your own insights too. So what is it that you really want to look at? I want to really be happy and free and not always burdened by this. Whose burden are you carrying? I I don't know. Well, I feel lost sometimes or I feel like I've got to support mom. So as we're talking it through, you may find that dad moves over. You may find that mom turns around to look. You may find that that your representative is going, oh, or whatever is happening. And so we just explore. And I'll say to the representatives, tell me what's happening for you. And they tend to be super accurate. What's happening for you? Do you need to move? Yes, I need to move. So it becomes this dynamic process of moving. And all the time I'm listening to what you're telling me too. So Tell me, Matthew, what's happening for you right now? How are you feeling? When you look at this, what happens for you? I feel sad or I feel burdened. What would an ideal outcome be for you? Mm. I'd like to feel like I don't have to always carry all of this. Does mom want you to carry it? Yeah, but how do I leave it? Well, you're the kid, mom's the adult. What's happened for you is you've gotten very big in order to carry that. Can we get you back into position? so that you actually feel what it's like to stand in your own space. And so we, we move through the whole thing. At some point, 
you're going to, we'll look for, so you get a sentence of what we call resolution. You might say, you know what, I can't carry this anymore. That would be the stop of the pattern. The start of the pattern is, or, or the, actually we would first have acknowledging what is, this is too heavy for me. I can't do this anymore. And then I need to do this differently. But mm -hmm. now you've got everybody in the system looking or interacting and you can actually, you're not just doing it here. You can feel it. You can hear it. You're listening to their input. You're listening to your own words. And when I say to you, so do you want to go test what it's like to stand in your own space? And you go, oh, my goodness, you'll, you'll actually watch a jolt happens in the body mm -hmm. and maybe in the face. And suddenly there's new language and you're trying out new sentences. And it's, this feels very different to be here. I, I love this place. I, so different language is going to start popping for you. You're repopulating your library. You're telling yourself and feeling, hey, this pattern's done. And you're telling yourself and feeling, hey, this pattern is starting. And so you're rewiring the brain. Frequently, you, people will tell me, I feel something. My heart is, is open. Mm -hmm. And then if you notice, you'll actually feel the gut move from tight to the compass that it was supposed to be. A gut is a very accurate compass. And so that settles. So you're watching this whole 3D process happen. And when you watch the systemic work, it'll get to a stage where it's complete. The system knows it, the constellation knows it, and the client knows it. And you often will hear them go, or they'll settle, or there are tears, or there's emotion, whatever it is, but something shifts. Mm. And because it's an embodied experience, you have that heightened sense of aha, which people call transformation. And if you're at a four-day event, it doesn't just happen once. It'll happen a number of times because we also have you in groups, both facilitating it or looking at it and participating. And even more intriguing is the fact that you're always part of systems. And so if one person is doing a constellation, Everybody else in the audience is getting a piece of work at the same time. Hmm. Interesting. So for listeners who are kind of imagining this playing out, um, just, just to be clear for them, this is actually happening in 3D. You're using other people. In real time, using representatives. And I have my favorite are the skeptics. Because they come in and they say, this is not possible. This is play acting. And I said to them, no, no, you're about to get a sense of what I think in psychology we would call the collective conscious. You're about to actually stand in that and feel it for the first time. And they go, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And then they stand in it and something happens. And, and you can see the shock as they settle in. Yeah. Um, I've had... Oh, so many people who come in skeptical. I had one gentleman who, who went, I'm really not cut out for this. And I said to him, can you just stand there as a representative? And he said, yeah, sure. Well, by the end of it, he was so shocked. He didn't know what to do. He said to me, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how I knew what was going on in their system. Yeah. And it's that, yeah. we, but I would say that, that the easiest way to explain it is for the first time, we're literally making the invisible visible and the unconscious conscious. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that we're not normally taught to do. Yeah. But when you start to sense into it, you recognize very quickly that you do that all day long. 
you walk into a room and you see somebody and you go, I'm not getting close to them. Boy, you can feel the energy coming off. Mm -hmm. Or somebody else is in, you go, I want to go sit next to them. They look so kind. We're sensing into their systems. This just makes it a conscious sensing. Mm -hmm. So fascinating. And I'm glad you mentioned the the word collective conscious or collective unconscious. And uh, that is so much what this podcast is about is trying to understand how we all kind of the interconnectedness between us exactly and i'm never sure whether to say conscious or unconscious because they kind of get used differently but it, it it's exactly that it's also why i created um two constellations meditations they're the first in the world that they give you a direct guided experience of going into a constellation traveling back through the generations, interacting with them and coming back into your own place. Mm -hmm. So um, that goes along with it. I'm wondering if we can um, go through an example of this and I'm just going to uh, go ahead and, and reference the money example that you shared earlier and just acknowledge that this is you know something for me. It's like, you know, and I know this is an issue for a lot of people, but- yeah. I'm, you know, not, I don't feel worthy of being, having a lot of money or being successful or really breaking out of what is the status quo of my family. So how would you work with me or someone like that? Yeah. So what I would do is you and I would sit together and I would say to you, you would say, I really want to be wealthier. I want to be wealthy and I don't want to feel guilty about it. And I don't want to feel unworthy of it because who am I to be wealthy? Well, first question for me is who are you to not be wealthy? So let's have a look at why. So we would go and have a look in your family system. And actually, if you look in the book, I think I use the example of money in that map. So we have maybe your great grandfather who has a lot of money. And then somebody called him out for being a cheat or um, he has an event and he loses all the money. And his, his words are, you know what? I just know I'm not worthy of that money anyway. I'm, I'm not worthy of lots of money. Anyway, it's much better to be educated. So what do we do? The minute we don't have wealth, we think of all the other things that are better than money because we've been taught that money is an or, not an and. Mm. It's not. It is also a very powerful living force, by the way. And I send all of my clients on money walks. But we'll come back to that. So for <laughs> you, so we've got grandfather or great grandfather who says, I'm not worthy. And then he tells his kid, and it and it sits very heavily on him. And because he lost all of that, he loses his health and he has a heart attack and drops. Well, grandfather looks at that and goes, You see what money does? It's terrible stuff. And anyway, in our family, we're not worthy of great wealth. That's for those clever people over there. And they do amazing things and they work exclusively and they have no family life. So now we're adding on all of these myths as to why we don't have it and they do. Mm -hmm. And your grandfather also says, and I'm not worthy. Your father teaches you, listen, son, there is more to life than money. There is love. You can either have love or money. You can have relationships or money. Notice how he's setting up the all. So now you've got great grandfather who's not worthy. Uh, we've got grandfather who says education is better than money. We've got dad who says it's not all about the money. You can have or, 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 or. And you're sitting there going, okay, so money's really bad. It's evil. Besides which, 
the universe or God or whatever we want to call him only spits well on a few of us and then we have great responsibility so it's not much fun anyway. Yeah, okay, rubbish. So let's bang that one right there. What's happened is epigenetically, there was a very strong imprint when great-grandfather dropped dead and everybody went, it's dangerous, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. And that echoed down. Also, not worthy, not worthy, not worthy. That imprinted epigenetically and echoed down. And then we have what we call a systemic trance. You're in it. The minute you say, I'm not worthy, you're echoing the words of your ancestors. So you're very faithfully speaking their language again. And some part of you goes, I don't know if I like this. I mean, I see some perfectly nice people who seem to have money and relationships and happiness. So is it just because God loves them and they were really good six incarnations ago? No. <laughs> They've told themselves a very different story. They've actually looked at money and said, welcome. They've looked at money and said, you know what? if they've had your story, maybe they all weren't worthy and maybe I feel that, but I'd like to be worthy. Can we be friends? And they start to talk to money. Mm -hmm. And then they start to think, well, one new thought. What if I was worthy? What would I do about that? And what if all those generations ago there was wealth? Now, bearing in mind, if I were working with you, I'd have grandfather, at least great-grandfather, grandfather, father, all telling you that lovely language that you're used to, and you going, yeah, 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 got it. And then I would say to you, can you tell them, for all of you who couldn't be friends with money and couldn't keep it, I want to do it differently. I can. I want to be friends with money. I see all the good I could do. I see all the adventures I could have. And I want that. Great grandfather, you may not have felt worthy, but at one stage, you were. And I want to take that from you. The not worthy, I don't want to take anymore. It's really time something changed. I have children or community or others, and I need to teach them a new truth. And if I can do it first, and I can teach myself a new truth, and believe it, and work with money to change, what's possible here? Mm -hmm. So as we're talking, what's happening for you? Yeah. So what comes up for me is that feeling of, okay, well, I don't want to abandon my family. Yes. So you talk about Beautiful. these- yeah, that, that's that's the core of it. That's the core of it. I don't want to abandon the family system. And this is common for all of us. So I love that you brought that up. So what you do is you look at your family system and you say, you gave me wisdom. You gave me love. You gave me joy. This I want to take with me. You also ignited in me the passion to bring back the wealth to this family, to flow money again and to do wisely with it because we can. And for all of you, that's my gift. That's my purpose and legacy. Could not do it without you. Because of all of you, me, mm -hmm. and I'm your legacy. And then what I would do, so you were very sure you were not abandoning or abandoned, 
is have them all put their hands on each other's back and then have your father put his hands at yours. And then I would say to them, take a deep breath and breathe that worthiness through all of you and into Matthew. And dad, when you're ready, push him forward just a little and tell him, do better than us mm. and do better for us. Mm. How does that feel? That feels nice. What would you say? Well, I guess I just speak for myself is the still this feeling of, well, it would somehow, they'd be proud, but it would somehow like sever the connection with the family. I would say it doesn't sever the connection. There was a very strong connection four generations ago to money. That was severed. You are reestablishing connection, flow, wealth, happiness, health. You're actually opening it up again so that it can flow once again. Hmm. How does that feel? That feels nice. That feels like I'm I'm just having the image of a system moving again, almost like you talked about yes. the gut going back into its motility, like now it's moving, now it's shifting and exactly. growing. Exactly. And this is what we're waiting for with so many patterns in the world at the moment. There's a lot of severing that's happened. And we're waiting for this generation and the next to say, let's flow again and let's flow in profound ways. Mm -hmm. And the who am I is all I am is the vessel. If you look at my website, it says it asks the question, how big are you willing to be? And I ask all of my clients that and, and I have a number of them who will say, isn't that a little egotistical? No. The day that you agree to be the biggest version of yourself possible is the humblest day of your life. Why? Because it's the first day that you agree to be responsible for truly creating the highest version of the life you were given. And it's the first time that you're truly in service of the universe. Hmm. I want to read a, a quote from your your book yeah. uh, that that reminds me of. So you say most times we're stuck because the systemic pattern has more pull on us than the desire to move. So when symptoms and the issues that they point to show up, bless them. It's the higher version of you ringing the bell, calling for attention, indicating it's transformation time. And you refer to symptoms as gold in that way. So I'm wondering Absolutely. if you could talk to us about that and how it's ringing the bell and this call to actually transform this the system. So there are a whole bunch of pieces in there. One of the things is that you may want to move or you may just want to want to move. If you want to want to move, it means that the system has got the stronger pull. But if you really want to move or change, if you really want to, again, your brain is going to start telling your body a story it can believe and you get so excited, nothing is going to stop you and it pulls you all the way past all of that language and into your purpose. So there's that piece. Sometimes it takes a kick because we don't pay attention. So with your money thing, it's nice to sort of think about money. 
And it's nice to think you could do it differently. But the system, you know, system over there, I, I love that system. Don't want to abandon it. I haven't realized yet I'm expanding it, not abandoning it. And uh, so what happens is, well, then you get yourself into a money situation. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to do something. Because that symptom has come knocking so loudly, it's telling you, you didn't pay attention. Generations haven't paid attention. We're telling you, it's time to do something. And you go, whoops, I don't have much choice here. The symptom has become your gift. It's telling you, time to ring the bell. Time to transform. Time for you to stop making money the demon it isn't and start making money the friend. Time for you to to reestablish flow here. So symptoms, whether they're physical, whether they're, and usually they're pretty physical, whether they're financial, leadership, career devastating, they're going to keep showing up for you. They're the patterns that are saying to you, please, we can't anymore. We've outlived our usefulness, dude. It's time to do something different. And so, yeah, when you get kicked by life, you're not, you're being evicted up. That's all. The symptom is a, is a call to our destiny, as, as you say. Very much. The destiny yes. being the thing that we're meant to fulfill in this life, which is also the thing that's helping to break the chains of the old patterns of the larger system. Exactly. Exactly. And I want to go back to something that you said earlier, because you said it's not our fault. And I said to you, it is our destiny. Our fault, or it's not our fault, lies in the past. Our destiny is in the here and the future. But the most exciting part of all of this is that you can have seven generations of whatever it was, and literally within the space of a couple of hours, undo all of the hurt, the bitterness, the breakage, the loss that that occurred back there with one pivot, and now nothing's the same. Seven generations, who knows, maybe more. But imagine when we all start becoming conscious and we move off, because by the way, to transform, there is one rule. You cannot be a victim anymore. Mm. Now imagine when we all start moving off, feeling like we are victims to understanding that this potential is there for every single one of us. The world changes. It cannot not. How would you recommend someone who finds themselves in that victim mindset? Is it just being aware of it? Or how do you work with people to shift from being a victim to feeling more empowered to change the story that they're So, So first of all, I want to understand what you're feeling, thinking, saying, because that's really cool. It's what is your full language? What are you telling yourself? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? So I want to understand that. I want to understand the hurt. I want to understand all of the flavors and the nuances. And then I want to understand who they belong to. Because we may feel them very deeply, but they may not be yours. You may indeed be eating someone else's pizza. Yuck. But so anyway, what I do is move back through the generations just to see. And then I want to understand, do you really want to move? Because if you really want to move, I can tell pretty quickly if we're very deeply entangled, up come all the what I call butt syndromes. 
yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. Or I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. Which means that really you're still anchored in the system and you want to be there. But when you come and you say, I'm, I've run out of excuses, I'm tired of this. Something has to change. Then I know, okay, mm -hmm. now we can start working. Now what we've got to do is create more weight over here than we have over here. And you've got to be very careful about doing it because, and I watched it with you and you'll have felt that. If it feels dishonoring or like you're going to lose your place over here, that's not about to happen. So mm -hmm. what we know is you've got to honor everything that got you this far. Honor it and respect it. It may not have been your favorite flavor. It got you here. And then how do we put the building blocks in place that allow you to understand, I'm carrying this forward now. I'm taking this forward. This is my piece. And even though it's just my piece and it's very personal, who is it going to impact? the entire system. So with a victim, I would say to them, tell me how it hurts you. Tell me what it does. Tell me where the anger is. Who are you angry with? How does that anger serve you? I have worked where there have been many generations of slavery, and that's a difficult one because there's not much that's pretty about it. But when we forget that the slavery has its journey too, and a profound journey. We make people victims. When they start to see, I come from something that strong and that incredible, that slavery piece, and what can I do with that? They start to move. Now, secret number two, if they come at who was originally the slave master, because I'm going to get you back, they've just hit themselves in the knees because what they've done is they've flipped the pattern. Now they're going to be the perpetrator and this is going to be the victim. And mm -hmm. so we're just going to respin the cycle. The way they emerge from this as the incredible beings they're meant to be is to say, I see what you did. This is what I'm doing with it. This is how I will enrich the world. And you don't get to kind of stop me because nobody can stop my destiny. When I stand in my own full power, when I don't need to put anyone else down or do it off the back of anybody else, when in my fullness, I can take the step. Not only do I step into being a free man, I am a free soul and a free spirit. I get to enjoy it. I get to love my life. I get to show the world what it could be like. That's the journey of the victim. I am blown away by people, and I know this sounds weird, who are lucky enough to have come from victim because they have a remarkable journey that most of us never even begin to imagine. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about that, the the threshold of, of crossing from victim into this more empowered place. So someone has recognized what the, the generational pattern is, as you said, they've sort of resolved the feelings around, you know, abandoning or something like that. And they really want to change. What's the process then? How do you help them to really focus on that change? Is it just a matter of really just placing a lot of attention on it and doing it's placing behaviors. attention on where you want to go and really creating 
in, in if you watch me at a live event, you'll see I'm very particular and careful about the language I use, and I will test it. And I'll say to the client, you only use the language I'm giving you if it fits, if not, shape it with your words. So it's got to feel mine. And as we reshape it into something new, I am the master of my own destiny. I get to be free. I get to do this. It's got to feel so deep mm. that it becomes you and you become it. That's what I was saying to you. It's when the brain tells the heart and the gut, the stories that they go, yes, yes, you've had this. You'll have done something and you, you'll have looked at it and go, I, I did that. And you have this feeling that something's shifted. That's where I work. And that's why you'll see the body jolt and you'll see people suddenly go, oh my goodness, this, I, I don't think the same way. Some, something different here. I'm not feeling the same way. The hurt is gone, but I'm super excited. Where did that come from? You got to rest the hurt. You got to invite the excitement in. And when you make that part of you, that's when the pivot begins. Mm -hmm. So people say to me, yeah, but really, how's that possible? Here's the deal. Do you watch horror movies? Do I? <laughs> Do you watch horror movies? I'm actually not a huge fan of horror, horror movies. So you don't watch horror movies, but you do tell yourself horror stories about yourself and believe them all day long. And your body says, yeah, see, I told you he was stupid. He wasn't good enough. And the body's going, Ugh. and you respond to that or your, your throat tightens and, and you can feel the, the body is responding to you. You created that. And you're equally capable of looking at a sunrise or a sunset and going, how lucky am I? How blessed am I? I am so happy. And the body goes, oh, yeah. It's responding to you. So when you give it a command that your heart and your gut can believe, you achieve that state of cohesion. And that's when everything starts to flow. I'm really savoring this feeling now of the sense of autonomy. You mentioned like being an autonomous person, an autonomous soul, and the sense of empowerment that comes with that. You've given an example bef before of something that most people have experienced, like that they want to save up for a vacation. They know that there's a voice that says, you know, don't go on the vacation. But if you've worked hard enough and you've saved the money and you get the sense that, wow, I created that. I got to go on this vacation because I decided that's what I wanted to do. And just on an experiential level, because now you've experienced that, you know, in your heart and in your gut that you actually have the reins of life. You, exactly. It's in your control. And that seems like that just even those small little experiences can help people then take a next step into something else. Yes, but think about that even more. So you do the holiday or the vacation. Now I would say to you, go and sit down and, and I want you to write down, what did I teach myself about me? I can save. I can stretch. I can do these amazing things. I went on a vacation that my parents always dreamed of. Wait a minute. They never went on a vacation. I've just changed something here. They always said, only hard work, only, wait a minute, 
I'm saying there's room for work and play. So you really want to notice that you're not just doing something, you're doing it within the context of a system and ask yourself, am I stagnating, devolving or evolving as we're going along? Because we, we're very good at turning champagne into water rather than water into wine or champagne. <laughs> and we're so capable of doing that. Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned that as you were talking, I'm realizing, you know, I've given this great example, but it's so true for me, the the holiday example in the context of my larger family system. And there are so many layers there. So I'm going to have to do some more reflection. Yeah, and what happens is they look at you and go, well, well, he went on a vacation and he didn't drop dead because he wasn't working all the time and he didn't get smited by the universe for changing the pattern. I think we'll do it too. And before you know it, the rest of the family is very happily toddling on behind you because it watches for you. You're the expander. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get killed for it, they go, okay, we can all take that step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was helpful to hear, you know, it's almost like you're giving, I know that you're not giving people permission, they need to give it themselves, but to reframe it as you're actually doing your family and your system so a good. favor, you're doing them yes. good. Yeah, that helps people with that guilt. Yeah, you're doing so much good. You're expanding it so that others can say yes to. Somebody in the family has to give permission for flow to happen, has to say yes. And the crazy thing is, the more that we do that, if you look, I don't care whether it's the Quran, I don't care whether it's a Bible, I don't care whether it's a Torah. If you look at any of those, all of those will tell you, knock, ask, it's yours. And we go, oh, no, 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 no. Because what happens? We grow up being taught that suffering is sacred. And I was on a, a show the other day and somebody said to me, yeah, but suffering is sacred. And I looked at them and I said, no, suffering is stupid. It is not smart. It is willfully saying, I agree to be less than. You're not helping your system. You're not helping yourself. And you're sure not helping the world. Imagine if Walt Disney had have decided the same thing. He didn't. People challenged him all the time and told him, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. If you look at him, would, would you say he gave us a gift or did he undermine us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the world needs more of those, needs people to say yes to flow and yes to permission to be happy. It really doesn't evolve us when we're sitting being as sad as everybody around us. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to have the courage. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you a hard question. Um, Oh, I like hard questions. Go for it. Fantastic. You know, thinking about systems really from a macro perspective and not just our family systems, but our community systems and our social and political and economic, I mean, the the systems we can expand out as wide as our imagination can go. And we're part of them. Yes. And we're part of them. Yeah. And you know, the work that you do is about helping people realize where they're getting stuck in the, where the system is stuck, how to move through that. So a system can adapt and evolve and grow. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts kind of from a macro perspective, if you have them 
like where we are as a collective humanity or as a world, where are we getting stuck? What's the story that we're stuck in, in our system? Big victim, victim, bam. Somebody taught us not so long ago that being a victim was really smart. You could monetize it, politicize it, religiousize it, and any size that you wanted to do. And they taught us that the downside, the victim side was a really powerful thing. If you look on the television, if you listen to the radio, people all want to tell you their terrible stories. To tell a good story is, is kind of frowned upon. Hmm. But the, the beautiful thing about that is the system is elegant. It can wait. And enough people are going to get tired of being victims and look at the world out there and see opportunity and go for it. And by the way, the minute they do, you're going to have somebody say, well, yes, they were born with a spoon in their mouth. It's very easy to do that if. That's my next one. It doesn't matter. If you're wealthy, you got there somehow. Maybe instead of us criticizing, we may want to look. If you became super successful, how did you get there? We've become a society of not only victims, but pickers. We pick at each other. We don't celebrate each other. Now, think about this for a moment. If we started celebrating each other, if we started right at basics, which is I'm useless, I'm stupid, and all of that stuff that we fill our heads with and went, what if I could do something remarkable? What if it, I just began with one step? If we simply began with the what ifs and began asking ourselves what's possible, and stopped feeling guilty and miserable and started feeling happy and engaged and giving and possible and growing, we literally cannot sit in the same world we are anymore. The beauty of this work is that it doesn't judge. It simply shows you what's happening and it shows you what's possible. There is no judgment. You're going to do what you're going to do. But the choice is yours. If we start becoming aware that the only reason we're stuck right now in many areas is because we chose it and people are going to scream and shout, but we did. <laughs> if we start to realize that we can make a different choice and people are still going to scream and shout, but I would say challenge would be if as many people as possible chose for 21 days to simply have one new thought, one new feeling, one new action that spun to the positive and their potential, within 21 days, you're going to see a very big shift. But we've got to get off victim. We have very nicely gone and put ourselves in a mud bath of victimology. It's not going to get us anywhere. Thank you for that. It's potential. That's a powerful, that's a powerful thought. Um, no, it's I know a powerful re a future reality, not thought. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is do it. Is there anything else, Judy, that we haven't covered um, that would be helpful to add? I know I've asked you a lot of questions. I would simply say there are a couple of things. Don't start tomorrow. It's time now. Start recognizing, start putting down. No, let's go one further. Start identifying the patterns in your life. Start identifying their origins. 
begin to understand that you are the change agent. And it's not a nice woo-woo idea. This is practical, it's applicable, and it's doable now. And then take one new thought, one new feeling, one new action, just that. And really, but you've got to, you've got to do it at this level, not just here. Whatever you have here has got to resonate here very strongly and run with that for a week and start noticing the difference and then run with it for another week. And I think I would also say to people, if you've had a difficult life, congratulations. Well done. You're very well equipped to now have a remarkable life, provided you get off the victim seat. But if you truly invest in what's possible, I guarantee you, I'm going to get a lot of letters from people saying, how did it take me this long? What happened? What happened was as humanity with that collective unconscious, we just went into a deep sleep for a moment and it's time to wake up. Well, just sharing that, I'm certainly feeling a sense of motivation and excitement about this, about doing this work. I mean... Uh, and I just thank you so much for what you're bringing to the world. And um, it it really is exciting. And uh, I can just feel feel the joy <laughs> swelling up. So thank you. Thank you, Judy. You're so welcome. It's exciting to watch you. And it's exciting to watch the world. We need to stop saying it's in trouble. It's not. It's at the beginning of a brand new chapter that we get to shape. How incredible is that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where else can people um, find your work? The, the book, again, is Decoding Your Emotional Blueprint. Um, where can they find out more about you and the work that you do? Well, so um, first of all, my uh, website, judywilkins-smith.com. And that also is where they'll find my constellations, meditations, um, and then Spotify. YouTube, Instagram, and of course, really importantly, in November, at uh, November 10 through 13, at Disney World, uh, I'm doing capability and resilience DNA. So it's, it's wiring the capability and resilience. Park tickets are included because we get to work really hard during the day, and then you take what's happening here and you move into the magic of somebody who is a master magician mm -hmm. and you go and play in the evening. And it's during the International Food and Wine Festival. How does it get better than that? <laughs> Sounds lovely. And uh, I will link to those things in the show notes so people um, can have access to them. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you again for listening. Remember that you can really help the show by clicking subscribe or by leaving a rating, a review, or sharing the episode with someone else. Thanks again and see you back here soon. Mm -hmm.